In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning to all. My grandpa used to sit in a rocking chair. He had a recliner, but he didn't use it because it was not very comfortable for him. So one night, when we were over there, my brothers and I, we tried putting shims under the recliner feet to change the angle to see if it would make him feel any better. And while we were doing that, my grandmother was rummaging around in the closet and knocked over a box of marbles. And this is forever stuck in my mind as the night my grandfather was off his rocker and my grandma lost her marbles. <laughs> you know, yesterday I told my wife I wanted to be cremated. She made an appointment for next Wednesday. <laughs> that was, okay, I thought that was a good one. A Sunday school teacher asked her class of five and six-year-olds the following questions. If I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and I gave everything to the church, would that get me into heaven? And all the kids said together, no. And the teacher said, if I cleaned the church every day and I mowed the yard and I kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? And all the children said, no. And the teacher said, well, then how can I get to heaven? And little Johnny raised his hand in the back. I know, I know, I know. You got to be dead. <laughs> I only tell that one, and I've told that one before, because I want to talk about heaven today. Heaven is a desire and a dream for most Americans one statistic says that 77% of Americans believe in heaven and 76% of Americans believe that their chances of getting to heaven are good or excellent. Now there are still some people who either don't believe in heaven or don't care to go there even if there is one. The renowned psychologist Sigmund Freud once said heaven is a human fantasy rooted in man's instinct for self-preservation. The renowned psychologist, uh, no, the Harvard philosopher Alfred North Whitehead once asked, can you imagine anything more appallingly idiotic than the Christian idea of heaven? Ted Turner once said, heaven is perfect. Who wants to go to a place that's perfect? That would just be plain boring. So there are people, tons of people, who either don't believe in heaven or don't want to go to heaven. There are three things that I want to say unashamedly without equivocation or hesitation or reservation. First, I believe in heaven. Second, I want to go to heaven. Third, I am going to heaven because of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you can say the same three things. I believe in heaven, I want to go to heaven, and I am going to heaven because of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Holy Scriptures, God's home is called heaven 550 times. 
There are several terms used for the term heaven in the Bible. In Luke 19:12, heaven is called a country, for that is where people live. In 2 Peter 1:11, heaven is called a kingdom, for that is where subjects live. In Hebrews 11:10, heaven is called a city, for that is where citizens live. In John 14:2, heaven is called a home, for that is where families live. Heaven is indeed the home of a godly family because heaven is the home of God's family. If you are a part of God's family, the church, the body of Christ, don't ever settle down in this world or get too comfortable in this world for this world is not your home. You're just passing through. We have an eternal destination, an eternal home. In the passage from today's gospel reading, which is without a doubt one of the most famous and most beloved passages in all the New Testament, Jesus talked more about heaven than in any other place in the gospels. He tells us not only why heaven is the home of a godly family, but how heaven can be the home of every family. The Lord Jesus lays out before us two things we need to understand about heaven. First, heaven is a matter of faith. Everything Jesus tells us about heaven was meant to be not only a word of confidence, but also a word of comfort. He said to his disciples in verse 1 of the gospel today, let not your hearts be troubled. The word for trouble here literally means to be shaken up, to be stirred up. It is a word used to refer to rough waters in a stormy sea. Jesus was saying, don't be all shook up. Don't let your stomach be tied up in knots. The Lord Jesus had just told his disciples in chapter 13 that he was going to be leaving them. And now they were going to have to face life and death without his physical presence. He knew there would be fear in their hearts. So he tells them what he tells us now. The only antidote to fear is faith. When the outlook around you is bad, then try the up look. Because it's always good. And he goes on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. Now, normally that would be faulty logic because trusting God is one thing, trusting man is another thing. But Jesus is no ordinary man. He is the God man, true God, true man. We proclaim that every week in our creed. A man who is only a man does not deserve any of our total trust even if he demands it, because ultimately that man will fail you. But a man who is God not only demands your trust, he deserves your trust, because he will never fail you. Jesus says, believe me, beyond death, beyond the casket, beyond the grave, there is heaven. Now, by the very fact that he tells us to take his word for it, 
tells us that heaven is a matter of faith. We can only see heaven with the eyes of faith. But I would be the first one to admit that faith without a foundation is just mere presumption. The good news is our faith does have a foundation. So the second thing the Lord lays out before us that we need to understand about heaven is this. Heaven is also a matter of fact. When I talk about heaven, I'm not talking about a, uh, some sort of mythical spiritual Disneyland that is more fiction than fact. I'm talking about a real place that is all fact and no fiction. Our faith is based on fact. How do I know that there is a heaven and how do I know that heaven is a fact? Because Jesus said so. True God, true man said so. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. How would I know if there was not a heaven? Because Jesus would have said so. Jesus gives us a mountain of reasons why heaven is so delightful, so magnificent, and why any person in his right mind not only wants to go there, but had better be making plans to get there. First, heaven is a specific place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. The Greek word place is the word topos, T-O-P-O-S, from which we get our word topography, which means a study of places. Heaven is not a state of mind. It is a real place. It is not just pie in the sky by and by. Heaven is the place where God dwells, where Jesus sits, where angels serve, where saints sing. It is the throne of the Father and the home of the saints. Over and over we are reminded that heaven is a real place. John 6.38, we are told that Jesus came down from heaven. Mark 6.9, we are told to pray to our Father who is in heaven. Luke 24, 51, we are told Jesus was carried up into heaven. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we are told that when you pray, God will hear from heaven. Heaven is a real place, populated with real people, filled with the real presence of a person named Jesus Christ. Second, heaven is a spacious place. Jesus said, in my house are many mansions. Now, mansions is probably not the right word. You'll see it translated different ways in different Bibles. The Greek word literally means dwelling places, rooms. What Jesus literally said was, in my Father's house are many rooms. Heaven is God's house, and we are all going to be under one roof, as it were. But notice, Jesus said that there are many rooms. Why did he make this point? Well, that just tells us that heaven cannot be overbooked. There's a plenty of room for everybody. Yes, you have to have a reservation to get in, but the reservations are unlimited. We don't ever have to worry about heaven being overpopulated. Don't ever be concerned that the golden streets will look like Interstate 45 at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. As I've mentioned before, and it is certainly worth repeating, 
In Revelation 21.16, we read about the capital city of the, new, of the new heaven called the New Jerusalem. It tells us that the length of the city is as great as its width. And the city measures 12,000 furlongs in length, breadth, and height. Now a furlong is one-eighth of a mile, which means that this, this is a city which is 1,500 miles long and 1,500 miles wide. In other words, this is a city that would stretch from Florida to Maine and from New York to the Mississippi River. That is a pretty good-sized capital city. Now imagine what this city would look like because it is not only 12,000 furlongs wide and long, it is also 12,000 furlongs high because its height, length, and width are equal. So let's put this into perspective. The Empire State Building has just over 100 stories at roughly 10 feet a story. If this city had stories measuring not just 10 feet in height, but let's say 15 feet in height, it would have 528,000 stories. And get this, on each of these stories, there would be 2,250,000 square miles on each story. So the city would have a grand total of 1,188,000,000 square miles. And the Department of Eugenics has estimated that since man first began living on planet Earth until today, approximately 32 billion people have lived. And one mathematician did a little bit of figuring and came up with the fact that if every single one of these people who ever lived went to heaven, there would be 198 square miles for each family in the New Jerusalem. And that's just the capital city of heaven. Now, we know that not everybody is going to heaven, sadly. But even if half the people who ever lived go to heaven, there would still be 400 square miles per family. Here's the point. There is room for you in heaven. Everybody that wants to go to heaven can go to heaven if they are willing to go through the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, heaven is a spiritual place. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. When Jesus went to heaven, it was not a one-way ticket. It was a round trip. The one who said, I'm going to build for you, prepare a place for you. I'm not going to send for you. I'm going to come get you so that where I am, there you may be also. Understand this clearly. Jesus is not where heaven is. Heaven is where Jesus is. You take away the pearly gates, the golden streets, the angels and their harps, if they play harps, and if you've got Jesus, you've still got heaven. But you take away Jesus and you don't have anything. Thomas asked the question that is burning in many hearts today. Lord, we don't know where you are going. 
And how can we know the way? Thomas was asking, even if heaven is real, how can we know how to get there? How can we make sure we will get there? And to that question, Jesus did not give just an answer. He gave what I believe may be the greatest statement in all of his ministry. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So think about that. To get from this country, we all know, into another country, we must have one thing, a passport. The Lord Jesus is the passport from planet Earth to beautiful heaven. Jesus is the way that takes us to heaven. Jesus is the truth that teaches us about heaven. Jesus is the life who transforms us for heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.